0: back to the hollow sky podcast we're your hosts i'm steven and kyle and today i've got us a good old-fashioned alien abduction story i know that's usually those but we're gonna go in on it before we do got to get through all the business so check us out at all our socials facebook instagram youtube twitter tiktok discord reddit search up the hollow sky podcast come and hang out with us we're pretty cool guys. Kind of. Not kind really. Of. But we're fun to be around. Kind of. Not really. But you know the drill. Just come over and be part of, be part of the whole uh, community. The whole Hollow community. It's a good time. A lot of good people there. If you have a paranormal encounter you would like for us to feature on a future show, Kyle's got some information that you would like. <laughs>
1: You can call or text the holophone, and that's going to be 1618 556 0837. You can send it pictures. You can text it your story. You can call in and leave a voicemail. Actually, just earlier, somebody was texting over pictures about some crazy shit happened in their house. You could also write out your story send it to the email you could use your voice memo app record yourself shoot it to the email you could take a video of yourself shoot it to the email and that's going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com
0: if you'd like to support the show there's tons of way you can do it first and foremost uh just spread the word spread the hollow word Share us on your socials, share us with your friends, anyone that likes weird shit, anybody that's into podcasts, just throw our name in the hat. Hopefully people will hear it and pick up on it and come and check out the show. It's the best thing you guys can do. Um, it helps the the show grow and keep this whole grassroots hollow movement we got going, going. We have a Patreon. If there's something over there that you'd like, go check it out. See our tiers. We got a bunch of shit you can... Uh, sign up for and you get extra episodes. We got stickers and magnets and shirts and all kinds of shit over there. So go check that out if that's something you're interested in. We've got a Venmo. You can throw some pocket change in uh, for our monster fund, keeps the energy going and just ticking days off of our heart as as it is. Uh, also, Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can leave us a five-star rating and review, and when I find them, I will shout you out. They're always great, so we always always enjoy feedback, especially positive feedback, so keep them coming. Today is from our friend, Glenn Meyer. Glenn says, amazing podcast. Steve and Kyle bring a fresh twist on the paranormal, riveting episodes, and I'm down with anyone who drinks Monster. Keep up the great work. Glenn in Arizona. He updated it. Not a bad episode in the bunch. I've had some similar events and your breakdowns are spot on and well thought out, i.e. outside of the box. It's thought inspiring and adds some validation for events that I encountered. All the best, boys. Well, Glenn, thanks so much for the kind words and uh, taking the time to share them with everybody. I'm glad that me and Kyle in our little back and forth banter sometimes hit on uh, scenarios that resonate with everybody else listening out there, so... It's good to hear that there's some positivity coming out of it for sure. From there, we have our listener encounter of the day. This one was submitted to our actual website. I am terrible about forgetting that we have an actual website. So when I find these, I try to put them to the forefront so I'm going to share this from our friend Pete. It says, personal encounter. Hey, guys, just started listening recently. Heard you on tinfoil hat and had to check you out. I've had a few strange things that have happened. I live in South Chicago suburbs. About 13 years ago, driving home around 9 p.m., I saw a wolf standing on the side of the road. It was no mistaking. This thing stood tall or taller than a Great Dane. That's the best reference I could find. Brownish gray fur. It looked mean as hell. I was only doing about 20 miles per hour and I was only 10 blocks away from home. I did not stop to check it out. I just kept driving. The next was about seven years ago. I was at work delivering body parts, not as fun as it sounds auto body parts. (laughs) It was rough or it was roughly about 11 AM. I was in Northwest Indiana leaving a shop about a thousand feet down the road. I saw something jump from one side of the road to the other, almost clean over the two lane road. Then it jumped into a cornfield and was on the other side. It was hairless, had an almost pit bull-like head, a long and skinny tail. I searched the internet for a picture of anything that would resemble it. It looked exactly like a chupacabra. I I never saw it after it entered the cornfield, and I never saw it again. The next one was about four years ago. Again in northwest Indiana, dire to be more specific, Driving to work around 3:30 a.m. a large cat-like creature ran across the road in front of me. I had to slam on the brakes. I clearly saw the head of the cat as well as the fur, especially the tail. Again, I took to the internet to see what I could find, and its fur was grayish white with black spots. Thick fur, the only thing that matched its pattern and the color was a snow leopard. This last one I've been going this last one has been going on for years, but has picked up heavily in the past year and a half. These are lights in the sky. When I first started noticing them, it was usually just one. A slight blinking light far off in the sky. Used to think it was a star, but I would watch them slowly move. Within the past year, I've seen up to 30 of them at once. Low to the ground, no higher than a normal street light. They move quickly and erratically, too quickly and erratically to be a plane. They also hover. But they're too small and silent. Some of them kind of look like drones while others are too oddly shaped. They... I'll have what I call a spotlight. It will be on and then turn off out of nowhere. They also have green and red blinking lights. I can only assume that these are not government they are doing this to camouflage to look like a plane to to anyone just glancing at them. I've stopped to watch them hover and watch them jet off as soon as I try to follow them. I saw one turn its light its light I saw one turn off its light and jet away as I was getting out of my car to film I've caught a couple on film hovering over and shutting the light off. I've seen them in pairs and three creating a triangle. They're usually seen in roughly the same locations. Doesn't match up with any plane routes, especially with as many as I've seen clustered near one another. I have seen as many as 10 clustered together. Very curious if you guys have heard or seen anything like this. It's been racking my brain for the past year and a half. Great podcast. Keep up the good work. Uh, Pete, thanks so much for submitting. Uh, we'll kind of go down the line here. Uh, first, the wolf. Bro, it definitely could have just been a wolf. I know that they were in the area up up to at least our, our whereabouts not very long ago. So you would think that if they're where we are, they would probably be further north as well. I know I've seen some articles from like uh, the Alton Telegraph and stuff of hunters killing wolves. My grandma actually swears that she saw one not long ago. That it was it was way too big to be a coyote. But if it's the size of a great dane, that's a pretty big fucking wolf.
1: Yeah, I've seen one in Calhoun, which is yeah, what a thirty minute drive from here.
0: Yeah, I know they're around. So yeah, that would be my best my best guess on that one is that you probably saw a wolf, and it was probably yeah. a big fucker. Um, chupacabra. I don't know what that could be. The hairless, skinny, long tail—definitely
1: very like a chupacabra. Very chupy The <laughs> chupa chupa.
0: Um, large cats. That too. I I have friends around here that spend a lot of time in the woods. Uh, they claim that they have seen large, large black cats, panthers, even. Uh, there's all kinds of stories about mountain lions and shit being seen around here. A snow leopard though is a little bit different because clearly we're not in snow leopard territory, but you also have like instances where people collect these things as pets. And then when they don't want to deal with them, they just let them go. But the last one with the lights in the sky, there have been a bunch of accounts of like drones and shit. I don't know if it was in Denver or where last year, there were so many accounts of these drone clusters and people would see them. People would videotape them and no one took responsibility for all of these drones that were everywhere. It was going on like, for quite some time and had people nervous trying to figure out what the fuck was going on, where these drones come from, who's behind it. Uh, let me Google it real quick.
1: Probably them prepping for blue beam.
0: Yeah, could be, uh, even the FBI got involved. Here it is. FBI investigating drones flying over Colorado and other States. Mystery drones fly over Colorado and Nebraska. Uh, I guess it was a huge, huge thing. And it's still, no one has really come forward to claim responsibility for what these drones are being behind the drones, what they're being used for. So it almost sounds kind of like the same thing you experienced. Uh, My kids were actually camping probably last month and they kind of had a similar experience to yours where they saw these lights, they formed a triangular shape, uh, kind of groupage and then they silently moved off the lights they said were uh similar to the colors that you were experiencing and i never even thought about it mimicking trying to mimic a plane to the people who saw it when you said that i was like holy shit man that's that's fucking weird
1: i have heard some accounts of of ufos Mimicking current aviation.
0: Yeah, especially with like the landing lights and stuff. It wouldn't be yeah. that hard to do no, so.
1: No. I actually saw a picture today of uh where was that? Arizona. Somebody posted a picture or small, it was a video actually. And it was weird. Like there was a subtle formation in the sky. It was daytime but it almost looked like the front of a mothership floating through the air. It was really bizarre looking or very, very Independence Day-ish. But it was like a su- it was subtle, like it wasn't as blatant as Independence Day, but it did look like the front of a circular UFO. It was <laughs> looking bizarre. I love it. I love it. And it's it's weird that there have been so many... UFO sightings in the past couple years—it's just getting out of control.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes you wonder what's going on. Are people becoming more aware? Are I don't know. Did something happen with COVID where we were all confined inside, and then as soon as we all got back outside, everybody was just like, "Oh shit, there's the sky again. Let's just look at it," and then they started seeing the UFOs. I don't know, but like you said, it is it is exponentially shot it's off everywhere, the
1: man. It's everywhere,
0: and it's in the news all the time too, like with the disclosure yeah. and everything. So I feel like it's sort of at the forefront, well, not really the forefront, but kind of like the back forefront of everybody's minds, because you see it on all the major news channels talking about the Navy and the Department of Defense and everybody talking about these UFOs and shit. So I don't know if it's like you said, it could be Blue Beam. Them just them just kind of they keep pushing it at us, pushing us at pushing it at us, keeping it on our mind for them to make that next move.
1: I don't know. I can't even begin to imagine whenever that pops off. That's gonna be great. Yeah, it's gonna be
0: it's gonna be a good time. But thanks again, Pete, for uh taking the time to submit your stories. Like Illinois is Illinois is a weird state, so I imagine it's just as weird up around Chicago, if not weirder.
1: Probably weirder. Probably weirder.
0: But from there, we're going to dive into my alien abduction case. The case I'm going to talk about today, I had heard of before, but never really dove into the info. To me, it was just like, just you know, you heard about these this abduction case, but you never looked into it. It was so traumatic to the people that experienced it. Some of them refused to talk about it for like a decade after the encounter. Um, Eventually after they would start talking about it, it is quoted to be one of the best documented cases of UFO abductions on the book right now. The case that I'm talking about is the Pascagoula abductions on the evening of October 11th, 1973. Two friends, Calvin Parker Jr., 19, and Charles Hixon 42, decided they would do a little fishing off an old pier on the Pascagoula River. Pascagoula, Pascagoula. Pascagoula River. I know their age differences seem a little, little wild there, 19 and 42 to be hanging out, but Hixon was good friends with Parker's father and had known the boys since he was in grade school. Hickson was kind of like an uncle to Parker, and they had a lot of history with the family, loved to go out fishing. The two men also worked together at F.B. Walker and Son shipyard in Pascagoula, and Hickson had been a pivotal uh, instrument in getting Parker the job at the shipyard. So after they get done at work one day, Hickson invites Parker to go to one of his favorite fishing holes. This hole was just like the primo spot. There was an old grain elevator that used to be active there where excess grain would spill off into the river, And it kind of became like a primary food source for all the fish there. So if you go and started throwing bait in the water, the fish would hit all the time. But before they got to that spot, Hickson had a second spot, a little more secluded, but had a lot of like nice big fish there that he wanted to check out. So they went to this more secluded spot. As they sat on the pier, it was a pretty peaceful night. They were getting nibbles and shit and catching some little fish and throwing them back in parker began to hear a strange noise he would describe this noise as a hissing sound kind of like a a cross between hissing and zipping and it kind of startled startled him a little bit he's like man this isn't natural so i wonder what the fuck is going on at almost the same time the two men began to notice strange flashes of blue light streak across the water and up the riverbank as they drove in, they noticed a bunch of no trespassing signs and a bunch of no littering signs scattered uh, or along the banks where they could see people had also been throwing trash and shit. So at first they thought maybe the police had came to interrupt their fishing trip, tell them to leave, make sure they weren't dumping along the uh, bank and shit. But that was not the case. As they turned around to check out... To see if the police had pulled up to interrupt their fishing trip, they were instead met with a long oval shaped craft. It's said to be 30 to 40 feet across, eight to 10 feet in height, floating a mere two feet off the ground. The craft emitted a blindingly bright light, like so much so that they couldn't hardly see anything once this light went off. But they could make out that the craft was not changing, but they could, they could tell that a hatch had opened up. So it kind of broke, broke this intense, intense light. And from this door, they saw three beings exit the craft. They described them as robot like beings. They're said to be gray humanoids. They had all human features, legs, two legs, two arms. They were just about, or they were just over six feet tall. They had what was described as a bullet-shaped head. Each entity almost completely lacked a neck. It only had a slit for eyes and a slit for a mouth. Its nose and ears were sharply pointed protrusions. In some illustrations I saw it almost looked like fingers where their nose and ears should be. It's the weirdest shit I've ever seen. Like, just these long, like, almost tentacle-type shit is what they were described as. At the end of each arm, they had two crab-like protrusions for hands. The legs were jointed and pedestal-like, and the entities were reported to hover and glide instead of walk. Their skin was very coarse and wrinkled like an elephant's. At this point, Hickson said that he could not move. He wasn't sure if it was from fear or if it was from something else. Parker recalled that Two of the creatures grabbed Hickson, the larger older man, and began to pull him toward the craft, while the third creature began carrying Parker himself toward the craft. He stated that once he got into the doorway of the UFO, they injected both men with what he called a, quote, go to hell shot. Whatever was in that injection that they injected him with took him from a state of pure terror to one of peaceful apathy. He stated, at this point, I didn't care what happened to me after that. Parker recalled being taken aboard the ship and down a long corridor. At the end of this corridor was a room where the creature carrying him placed him on an examination table that he said was made entirely out of glass. At this point, he states that the elephant creature left the room. This is a quote directly from him in an interview that I have uh, saved up here at the top. It is the, an interview he did with Country Roads magazine. He says that, quote, That's when something came out of the ceiling about the size of a deck of cards. This square-shaped object began circling, circling me and making a series of clicking noises as it did. Later in life, Parker's convinced that this was some sort of imaging device, possibly like an MRI or a CAT scan. After it circled him a few times, the object shot back into the ceiling of the craft and the room he was in. From here, a smaller being entered the room. Parker stated that this smaller being made him feel more at ease. He was essentially paralyzed from the neck down, but he was able to roll his head toward the creature. He assumed the creature was female from its smaller features and stature. He stated she was normal. It looked just like a human, he said, aside from her middle fingers quote, her two middle fingers were longer than what an average person's would be. But outside of that, she was very human-like. So much so that he states, matter, this is a quote, matter of fact, if I'd been sitting in a bar room drinking or something and was single, you know, at the time, I'd probably have asked her out on a date, which is (laughs) kind of interesting. weird take here. (laughs) But
1: she got some hell long fingers, but she was a looker.
0: Yeah, we don't, we don't kink shame here. and No. It gets, it gets a little weirder.
1: Yeah, um, I imagine with them middle fingers, they might, it might get weird. So I can think of one thing they're probably good for.
0: Parker states that without a word, the creature put its left hand on his jaw and forced his mouth open. Quote, that's when she took her right hand and started running it down my throat with her long fingers. I started gagging. She scratched it up real bad and it was bleeding. I was a darn mess. From there, the creature pulled its hand from his throat and telepathically let Parker know that it wasn't going to hurt him anymore. He stated that at this point, the creature started making these odd sounds from its throat. Parker states, I don't know if you've ever heard an alligator's maiden call where they vibrate the whole air around you, but that's how it sounded. At this point, after the throat call, the creature that originally brought Parker into the craft reentered the room, picked him up and carried him back to the bank of the river. He states to this day that he still believes that that creature was a robot and not an actual, like, biological entity. Hickson reported almost an identical encounter, being floated into the craft, being examined by a football-shaped probe, referred to as an eye, that emerged from a wall and moved all around it. He stated to the Gadsden Times, I don't know how long it was, half an hour or maybe an hour and a half. There was light from everywhere, from the ceiling, from the walls, and from the floor. When he was taken back to the riverside, he found Parker standing in what he could only describe as a trance standing at the river's edge, which is with his arms outstretched in front of him. I'm assuming kind of like a zombie, just kind of just out of it. From this point, both men made their way back to their car where they were understandably shaken and probably in shock. But as they got there, they were started startled to see that both windows on the passenger side were completely shattered but still in place in the window frame in the door. As Hickson pulled the door open, the glass spilled out to the ground. They also found that the relatively new and well-working vehicle was having all kinds of problems. It wouldn't turn over, and after multiple times, when the engine did fire, the motor sounded awful, and it had a hard time staying running. Hey, Colt, The weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tecovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tecovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids.
1: And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all and it's re- it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin, hollow sky branded boots. How awesome would that be?
0: Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to Tacovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At first, Parker and Hickson agreed not to tell anyone about the incident, but as they're driving, driving, Hickson changed his mind. He came to his senses and decided that they needed to tell someone what had happened to them and get their encounter on the record. At this point, they decided to pull into a local bar and report the incident. Hickson called nearby Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi and told them a brief description of what they'd just been through, where they were met with odd uninterest, uninterest, being told that the Air Force doesn't handle UFO reports anymore with Project Blue Book being finished and shelved, and that they should just call their local authorities. That part stood out to me like something's not right
1: yeah yeah because they're they're ultra dismissive they kind of act like you like we we just don't care anymore we've already we have the answers we need our investigation is over goodbye
0: yeah almost almost like they just didn't care like they're just two good old boys that were at a bar and here they are calling us saying that they met some aliens and they're just like nah we're not interested
1: Yeah, like, we've already been down this road. We know exactly what aliens you're referencing. We've already dealt with them. They're not that bad. Go away.
0: So from there, Hickson did just that and called his local uh, sheriff's department. An officer came down to the bar, examined the car, and requested them down to the station. While there, the men were questioned separately by Sheriff Diamond about their experience and then brought together into a room to be questioned as a pair. While they were left in said room, a tape recorder was left on recording that the officers had left in the room. I got a little bit of a transcript here that I'll read um, that was taken from the unknown audio recorder that was going on there. Uh, It stated that Charlie's voice is shaky as he said to Calvin, I can't take much more of that. And Calvin sounded frantic. Calvin says... I got to get home and get to bed or get some nerve pills or see the doctor or something. I can't stand it. I'm about to go half crazy. I'll tell you when we, when we're through, I'll get you something to settle you down so you can get some damn sleep. Calvin, I can't sleep yet like this. It's just damn near crazy. Charlie responds. Well, Calvin, when they brought you out, when they brought me out of that thing, God damn it. I like never in hell got you straightened out. He said, my damn arms, my arms. I remember they just froze up and I couldn't move them. I just stopped like I'd stepped on a rattlesnake. They didn't do me that way, sighed Charlie. Calvin, I passed out. I didn't, I expect I never passed out in my whole life. I've never seen nothing like it before in my life. You can't even make people believe. I just don't want to keep sitting here. I want to see a doctor. They better wake up and start believing. They better start believing. You see how that damn door came right up? I don't know how it opened, son. I just don't know. I just laid up and just, just like those sons of bitches, just like that. They just came out. I know you can't believe it. You can't make people believe you either. I was paralyzed right then. I couldn't even move. I was just paralyzed. They won't believe it. They're never going to believe it. They're going to have to believe it one of these days, but it might be too late. I knew all along that there was people from other worlds up there. I knew all along. I never thought it would happen to me. And then Calvin responds, you know yourself. I don't drink. I know that son. When we get to the house, I'm gonna get you another. Or I'm gonna get me another drink to make me sleep. Look what. So what are we sitting around for? I gotta tell Blanche. What are we waiting for? I gotta to go to the house. I'm getting sick. I gotta get out of here. Then Charlie got up and left the room, and Calvin was left alone. It's hard to believe. Oh God, it's awful. I know there's a God up there, and from there, his words became inaudible. And they think that he's just praying to God after all of this. So the reason I pointed that out is because. <laughs> These two did not know that tape recorder was in there and still recording. Normally, if something is a hoax, you would think that those two would be like getting their story together yeah, as like the police went it, out. Yeah. But instead, they're just like, like you it just seem like two good old boys that just had something happen to them that they can't even put their mind around. They're like, yeah. what in the fuck yeah. is happening? They're like, we need to get out. We need to check on my family. I need to get some kind of nerve pills.
1: Yeah, I can That's imagine, I'm man. That would that would suck. Yeah. Got abducted by the these screen. weird ass things.
0: <laughs> and the and you, the you illustration got throat thing. fisted. Yeah. Right like down, down down the hatch, I call it.
1: Yeah. And like hatch. she wasn't even gentle about it. And then she had the nerve to be like, Hey, I'm not gonna hurt you anymore.
0: <laughs>
1: I'd be pissed.
0: Kind, kind gal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's almost like a typical doctor, you know. You go go in there, and they're like, "Okay, you know, the the pain i know this hurt, but we're all done now. It's going to hurt you more than
0: it's going to hurt me." Okay. So as you can tell from the transcript, neither of the men made any kind of incriminating remarks during this time, especially being unknowingly recorded, as I said, you might expect a set of hoaxers to do. Further corroborating their story was the fact that the police noticed and identified identical puncture wounds on both of their forearms, right exactly where Parker stated that the entities that gave him the go-to-hell shot. Hickson even insisted on them taking a polygraph test, and they both passed it. The two men were adamant about keeping their encounter private, but as Pascagoula was a relatively small town, less than 20,000 people, it didn't take long at all for word to slip through the cracks of law enforcement and the media and to the media and to Parker and Hickson's families, friends and neighbors. They stated that when they got to the shipyard the following day, they were swarmed by news vans and reporters. In addition to reporters, astronomers and pioneer ufologists Dr. J. Allen Hynek and Dr. James Harder arrived in Pascagoula within 36 hours to interview and hypnotize Parker and Hickson. How he got from California to Pascagoula, Mississippi in that short amount of time, I don't know. But he was down there, Parker stated. Uh, And Hynek, Dr. Alan Hynek, had also been a pivotal uh, instrument in the UFO studies done by the U.S. Air Force. Project Sign, Project Grudge, and Project Blue Book. The ridicule and disbelief that this brought forth essentially pushed the men to go silent on the matter for a number of years, and he even pushed Parker to the point to where he suffer, suffered an emotional breakdown, and he had to enter himself into a hospital not long after the encounter. This ridicule would have a profound impact on Parker's life. He would lose his job at the shipyard because of the constant coworker and reporter bombardment. The dude would just try to go to work and people would either ridicule him about being the alien guy or they would just keep asking him shit and I, I'm i assuming it probably led to a bunch of fights because probably, he lost probably. his job <clears throat> uh, he would state that uh, he would go in and there would be he before he would even clock in there'd be 60 and 70 reporters at, at the shipyard like he couldn't even go to work and all he wanted to do was forget about what the fuck had happened to him it got so bad that after losing a second job after the shipyard, he would change his name to avoid the press from bombarding him all the time. He would sink into obscurity and just kind of just kind of stay to himself. The ridicule from his family and friends was just, just too much for him to handle. He said, we took polygraph tests, voice stress tests. We were hypnotized three times, had more credible witnesses than any case around and more credible people talking about it. But back in the 70s, if you saw something like that, you were crazy to have had to have been a part of something or seen something like that. It was so bad that uh, Parker was in the process. He was just about to get married to his wife, Lynette, before this encounter happened. And his future father-in-law tried to convince his wife not to marry him because he said he was off his rocker. Like, this dude is, just, this dude is crazy. Do not marry him.
1: I couldn't imagine the amount of stress that he went through. Cause it's like, not only is he, was he not trying to have that situation happen, but then you're getting utterly bombarded, bombarded by the media. You're getting bombarded by your coworkers. Then you got your father-in-law trying to come up behind you and, and ruin your marriage or ruin your, soon-to-be marriage and like your your entire life is falling apart over something that you had no control over
0: it would be it'd be so terrible you're stuck in this weird juxtaposition where like all the people around you don't believe that this happened but then you have all these reporters wanting to know exactly what happened that everybody around you thinks yeah is is not the truth or that you're just completely crazy. Yeah. Wayne didn't take her father's advice and did end up marrying Parker, but the stress from the encounter would lead to a divorce, but only a short one. She would remarry him not long after. So as he went into obscurity, a UFO researcher by the name of Philip Mantle with over 40 years of studying the phenomenon would catch wind of the abduction and seek out parker and hickson he read their story in a british ufo magazine because right afterwards hickson was open to talking about it but then as as all the negativity came in they both kind of shut down but not before hickson had done a couple interviews these interviews made it into the british ufo magazine where philip Mantle saw it he would eventually convince them to come back into the public light and speak openly about their encounters Uh, His company, Flying Disc Press, would go on to publish two of Parker's books that he would write about the encounter. Mantle has a pretty decent UFO resume, including being a former director of investigation for the British UFO Research Association and a former MUFON representative for England. Between Mantle and Waynet, they would encourage Parker to come out of his shell and begin to open up and talk about the encounter a little bit more. As I'd said before, Hickson was more open about the incident, and he'd go on to speak publicly about the experience. Uh, He would talk in front of schools and uh, do all kinds of PR toward the end of his life, which uh, he passed away in 2011. After he passed away, Parker kind of picked up the torch and kept going on and speaking and writing about the incident. Interestingly enough, the abduction began to gain gain more and more validity, and both Parker and Hickson's books were well-received. In 2019, a historical marker was placed near the Pascagoula River, across from the site where the alleged abduction took place. It remains, quote, it remains the best documented case of alien abduction, particularly since there was a secret tape involved, and not one, but two witnesses. The end of the plaque reads... When it was officially unveiled, Parker was so overwhelmed by the emotions of finally having his story, which he was ridiculed about for decades, kind of legitimized. It is one of the happiest moments of my life, Parker says, and that is rare that such memorials to UFOs exist. Uh, More validation began to stack up over the years with more and more witnesses coming forward about their own reports of UFO sightings around the Pascagoula River in Jackson County. In the weeks surrounding that night of their encounter. First, we have Maria and Jerry Blair of Theodore, Alabama. They were sitting in their 1969 Pontiac GTO in the parking lot of graham's Seafood, opposite on the opposite side of the river from where Calvin and Charlie were fishing. Jerry was waiting for a captain or boat captain to take him offshore, because that's part of his job, and the captain was late. So they sat in the parking lot for hours. They were just sitting there when Maria saw something strange. She said, and I quote, I was looking at the sky and noticed a blue light in the sky over where they were fishing. It was moving and it seemed like it was following the river. I noticed the lights on it and it was just going back and forth. Sometimes it would just sit there. She noticed the flight pattern and knew it was not a plane. Jerry noticed the object too, but didn't think much of it. He says, I just thought it was a helicopter. He stated, and they actually watched the craft land about 150 to 200 yards from them. Another witness in the area came forward that evening. Her name was Judy Branning. She was sitting at a traffic light with her roommate and their dates when they too noticed strange lights in the sky. Like the Blairs, the first couple thought it was an airplane. As it came closer and actually passed over the car, they realized it wasn't a plane at all. She states it didn't make any noise. It had bright lights, and as it got closer and it was hovering, it was kind of like a saucer shaped or a disc shaped with a rounded top. The radio of our car started sounding like it was running through all the stations as fast as it could, and then our car died. We were freaking out. Branning said after the craft craft passed over the car, they watched it shoot up into the sky at an unimaginable rate of speed. She recounts not sleeping that night and also not wanting to mention the story after seeing how much ridicule Hicks and and Parker received when they came forward with theirs. A crane operator in the area also reported a craft with blue lights pass over the cab of his crane on the same night. One of the best documented witness accounts came from two fishing boats with 10 passengers total. They went out on the river on November 6th, a couple weeks after uh, the incident of the same year. The fishing party said that they saw something large and illuminated floating beneath the surface of the water. Which they hit with an oar before playing cat and mouse with the vessel and chasing it around the river. They reported the account encounter to the Coast Guard who sent a boat out and experienced exactly the same thing. That's so,
1: bizarre. That's bizarre. Yeah, that. Those dudes had some nuts to start poking a damn UFO with an oar. <laughs> Come on, That's man. And then you, then you chase it around.
0: I just I don't know.
1: I uh, imagine how they felt after not being abducted, but then hearing the two dudes abduction story, they're probably like that night could have went a whole lot worse.
0: Oh no shit. And that's just what they remember. <laughs> right? There's actually, there's actually audio of the, the secret recording from the room, but it's pretty, it's pretty old and like, hard to tell, but someone did write the transcript out there. You guys, I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube. I'll share the link whenever the episode comes out, if I remember. But like, I feel so bad for those two guys because like, it seemed like the ridicule from the townspeople and their families and friends was, was almost more traumatic to them than the actual encounter.
1: What a letdown.
0: Which is terrible, you know, like, yeah, like I,
1: I couldn't imagine it's kind no like one coming forward with a traumatizing event, and then everybody's like, You're dumb, you're making this up for attention, or you're crazy, or whatever the case may be. Like, everybody that you would confide in, that you should be able to trust, that you should be able to rely on for some type of help, some type of emotional support, and they all go. Nope, you're crazy. Ha ha, you're really? the alien guy. Ha ha, ha ha.
0: The thing is, is like the the unknown portion of the recording went unnoticed for like years, right? So the cops the cops recorded their accounts and essentially just thought these guys are out of their mind. Yeah. Put it away on yeah. the shelf. And then when someone went back through to check it they noticed that man there was nobody else in here at this specific time we were interviewing them and that kind of led some more credibility to the encounter especially within the police force that they were sitting there talking about it being scared out of their minds praying wanting to go home when if it were a hoax or chances are they would be trying to get their stories together yeah to on both 100%, on board of 100%. and it just I don't know, man. Alien abduction stories suck.
1: Yeah. And then I, you, got, I, you got abducted by some freaky ass ones. They had nose fingers, finger noses. I know, I'll guy, th- whatever.
0: <laughs> I'll post a picture of the illustration of
1: these things. It is. It sounds terrifying.
0: Yeah. Then the illustration, like you see it and you're like, what in the hell is this? Because it looks fucking bizarre
1: some bullet head finger nose thing (laughs) but then they have women on the damn ship that look normal minus long ass fingers
0: yeah dude was trying to trying to date them
1: that is true
0: i love it that's like a go-to in the paranormal world like man you know don't look too bad i mean mean... too terrible
1: And then all of a sudden I was uh, an
0: alien and she's an alien. Maybe I'd be into it. I didn't have a human until
1: she rams her hand down her throat, your throat, and then you're like, okay, never mind.
0: Like I said, we don't kink shame here at the Hall Sky podcast.
1: Bro, I am not trying to have an arm (laughs) jammed down my throat.
0: The old two two finger deep throat there.
1: Yeah. And and then she clawed it all up.
0: I know. She's not being gentle. No.
1: It's a piss-ass excuse. Oh, I'm not going to hurt you anymore. Like, yeah, (laughs) the damage is already done, lady. Get out of here.
0: And it's it's no wonder. You read cases like this. It's no wonder that paranormal experiences are so taboo now. Yeah. Because of the amount of ridicule that everyone i mean even if someone were to come forth with this story today they would they would be ridiculed yeah yeah which i mean just
1: guys like us you you run into people who still look at us and go okay these guys are crazy and all we do is talk about the shit you know we have had our experiences and whatnot but i typically don't normally talk about my experiences hell i i typically don't even bring up my podcast to anyone you know they have to like specifically ask about it before i even start talking about it i don't just bring it up because i'm the same way i know that a lot of people are are gonna try to poke fun at you or think you're crazy think you're off your rocker and it doesn't really bother me but at the same time it's unnecessary you know what it kind
0: of, I oh mean? uh, yeah, it doesn't bother me. It just bums me out as a whole that people would rather uh, ridicule people for their encounters than to actually sit and listen and maybe put some actual thought behind it that something could be going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'd rather just chuckle it off and poke fun as opposed to, you know, sitting there and being like, "Holy shit, maybe there's really something to this." And I think I think maybe some of that is people people try not to validate their own experiences. You know, if 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 I had something weird happen to me that I don't want to deal with, but Kyle's over here explaining almost exactly the same thing as an alien abduction. I'm not trying to fuck with an alien abduction. No. You know, so I'm just going to write Kyle off as being out of his rocker and I'm just going to suppress my my yeah.
1: experience where I don't yeah. have to deal with it. That makes sense. That makes a just, lot of sense. And it's some honest. people some people have their encounters and then they never talk. They don't even acknowledge them ever again. They're like, I oh, just yeah. want this memory to go away. I don't even want any... I just I want to live a normal life. I want to eat ice cream and watch TV. Same. I don't want to remember being throat-fisted and then having my entire life turned upside down because of something out of my control.
0: Like, if you think about if you think about Parker, the dude's only 19 trying to get his life together. He's got a fiance. He wants to start a family. He just got a new banging job at the shipyard. And all of that gets taken away from this one incident. Loses his job is he gets divorced. He has a nervous fucking breakdown, has to put himself in a hospital like that is some heavy shit. Oh, yeah. And you think if it was a hoax. Having people call you crazy wouldn't bother you. You know, you're like, yeah, because I'm doing this for for shits and gigs.
1: Yeah, and that was back in the 70s, too. You can't tell me there was a whole bunch of alien shit going on where he would have been like, yo, I'm gonna get rich. I'm gonna make up this giant any- ass alien story so I can be rich.
0: The only thing that I can even and and at that time in the 70s, there's only a handful, like you could count them on probably two hands of abduction cases that that had come out like betty and barney hill that's really the only one i can even when when was travis walton abducted i think that was that was after that
1: might have been uh i don't quite remember i'm not good numbers especially dates yeah me either uh
0: I do think 1975. So this was before Walton. So there really wasn't a whole lot going on at that point in the in the alien abduction world as far as actual abductions go.
1: Which yeah, is... so like I said, one would stand to things that they would have no gain in in fabricating the story. No,
0: not at all. Uh, Betty and Barney Hill were abducted 1961 so they were before but it is it is weird and it's disappointing that so much of wraps it up I'm curious as to what you what you all think about it if you've heard about it before and would like to share some insight, please feel free to hit us up and that's it. So until next time, stay safe, stay weird. And if, uh, alien wants to shove their fingers down your throat hole, ask them to be gentle.